0: Father, we bless you and praise you. And all these we lift to you for healing today, Lydia, Ellen. We pray for Tom and Crook and the family. Pray for healing, complete healing, recovery. We pray for Jim and Betty Nelson for healing, dear Lord. We pray that uh, you would bless uh, Johnny's friend, Nubbin, and bring healing to him, Father, in Jesus' name. We pray and thank you for testimony from about Ella. We thank you for healing for Lynette. We thank you, Lord, today. You're with the family there at Mariposa to bring comfort and peace. You're with the Henry family and the Cox family and their loss also and their kiddos that have experienced that loss in their life, maybe the first loss in their life. We uh, thank you for um, your, your presence in our lives at all times. And we thank you for Billy's testimony, dear Lord, and, and how uh, Jesus found him and he found you, oh God. And he surrendered his heart, using powerfully anointing With the Holy Spirit of God, just fill Him, Lord, and and overflow in His life, and and all of us, dear Lord, because we need You desperately. We're living in perilous times, and we need Your strength, Your power. We pray in our activities that are coming up in the next few months, uh, some things are happening, and I believe that there are things that You will minister in and through people that here come in to our church. We just pray, Father, that they would feel welcomed, and also, dear Lord, today that Your anointing would rest upon them. And dear Lord, you would speak and sing through them and praise your holy name. And so we thank you, Lord, for your love for all of us individually and here in this body called Lighthouse Fellowship. And uh, we're gracious today and we will praise you forevermore. And we pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to John chapter 19. I've got Sid and... Janet, who are going to read, uh, said to read the first eight verses. And uh, if you would stand in the reading of God's word, if everybody would stand.
1: Then Pilate, therefore, took Jesus and whipped him with the Roman scourge, and the soldiers. Platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put him on him a purple robe, and said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they struck him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe. And Pilate saith unto him, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and others saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the son of God. When Pilate therefore heard this, saying, He was more afraid. And went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Okay. Janet?
0: Uh, let, Jerry's going to bring the microphone.
2: Uh, Verse 9. And he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Do you realize that I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar's. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at the palace known as the Stone Pavement, which is Aramaic is... Gabbatha it is the day of preparation of Passover week about the sixth hour here is your king Pilate said to the Jews but they shouted take him away take him away crucify him shall I crucify your king Pilate asked we have to we have no king but Caesar the chief priests answered finally Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified
0: amen all right you may be seated thank you a moral struggle was going on here, and I want to talk about it with Pontius Pilate and some of the dynamics around who he was. He was the governor of Judea, and he obviously had uh, rulership over the Jews at this time. The Jews there and the Romans didn't get along together, so there was some very there's a lot of tremendous conflict between the two. But here we see that he had an encounter with Christ. And this encounter with truth always demands a response. It's the same with us. When are you and I are confronted with truth, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. And when you're confronted with this truth, there has to be some type of response. Either you'll go with it and say, this is truth, and I need to live it, or else I will oppose the truth. And what we have today are people who are accepting the truth, but we have the other side of those who are opposing the truth. When you hear something being said, maybe even today in our culture and so forth, and it's like a red flag, so to speak, comes up in your spirit. There's a possibility that it may not be truth, because people today, I believe, lie and lie and lie, and they've lied so long, that it actually, uh, it becomes natural for them. Uh, it could be some people say, well, what's wrong with the little white lie? You heard that expression before? I mean, it's just a little lie. Come on, you know. Let me tell you, when you start lying and you don't live the truth, it is a slippery slope downward. And that's what we're seeing in society. Several things today that I want to mention. First of all, the verdict of Pilate's own conscience, his conscience, Is loud and clear. Over and over again, we hear him say, concerning Jesus, I find no fault in this man. Pilate knows that Jesus is innocent of the charges that have been brought against him. He even knows why these religious leaders have somehow trumped up these charges against Jesus. Matthew 27 talks about it. For he knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. And Pilate cannot claim ignorance concerning Jesus' obviously guilt. He personally interrogated him several times, and each interrogation further continued Jesus' innocence. So Pilate's conscience is also telling him that there's something very unusual about Jesus. He's set in judgment over hundreds of people, some really bad criminals, and he's never had anybody respond the way that Jesus is responding. At one point, he's so flabbergasted by Jesus' demeanor that he says to him, do you refuse to speak to me? And the emphasis here in this question is on the Greek word, emo. And Jesus, you might keep silent before anyone else, but I am the one who can either let you go or I can put you to death. And so he's puzzled by this. You ever pondered about Pontius Pilate? All in the scenario leading up to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, crucifixion, burial, death, resurrection of Christ here. Every answer that Jesus gave Pilate brought more and more truth to bear on Pilate's conscience. We're going to talk about conscience in just a moment. Jesus answered these questions by talking about the real source of authority, which is God and not Caesar. And Jesus had talked to Pilate about the nature of his kingdom. A kingdom not from this world, but from heaven above. He had talked with him about two kinds of people. Those on the side of truth and those who were in opposition to the truth. And Pilate progressively realizes that there is something highly unusual and different about this Jesus. In John chapter 19 verse 7, the Jews finally tell Pilate, the real reason they want Jesus put to death. Up to that time, they had tried to frame their accusations in a way that would win Pilate's agreement with them against Jesus. But in the heat of the moment, the truth spills out. And they say this, We have a law, and according to our law, he must die. And here comes the point, because he claimed to be the Son of God. With everything Pilate has observed about Jesus and everything his conscience was screaming to him, those words were terrorizing. You see, we're confronted with the truth of just who Jesus is. Was he a prophet? Was he just a man that had great ability to teach and, and give leadership and so forth? Or was he the son of God or is he the son of God? We're confronted with that. That is the crux of our whole, obviously, when we come to that place of reality, when we come to a place of understanding more about what's going on in life, how we know we've sinned, maybe the guilt or the shame of sin, and we're confronted with the truth and who Jesus is. Pilate was not a Jew. He despised the Jews. He didn't embrace their religious beliefs, although... He had religious beliefs, probably in what's called demigods. He believed in Hercules and also other mythology there. And maybe this Jesus really is a supernatural being. His demeanor actually indicates something very unusual. And John tells us in verse 8 of our text, when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. In addition to all this, God gave Pilate's wife a dream right in the middle. Gave him a dream. Y'all know the story. We don't know exactly what, what she saw in the dream, but we do know that Jesus sent it, or God sent it in, in a supernatural warning to Pilate and his wife. In Matthew 27, verse 19, While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man. For I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. There's Pilate struggling here with his own conscience. Everything within him is saying that Jesus is innocent. There's obviously something unusual about Jesus and who he is here. And he very well may be supernatural. And then comes this message from his wife. Don't have anything to do with this innocent man. Can you imagine The struggle, the moral struggle that was going on. The conviction that was taking place in Pilate's heart during this time. Do you see the grace of God here in all of this? A man's conscience is telling him to do the the right thing to do. And then God mercifully sends a supernatural dream to warn him even further. Pilate knows what's right. He has the authority by his own confession to do the right thing. But here's his problem. The second point is, is the voice of the crowd is in conflict with his conscience and he wants to please the crowd. Pilate has a lot to lose here. He's in power. They have a wonderful high standard of living. His wife is living in luxury. Pilate and his wife have a great future. The problem, if he follows his conscience, he may lose all of it. He's already been reprimanded by Rome for mishandling previous events. He doesn't need to have more complaints there sent to the Roman government because he knows they're pretty strict also and they'll come and and dethrone him, so to speak. He doesn't want to lose all that power. And you know, today I thought about it in our today's world and how the fear of man will stop you in your tracks from doing what God has told you to do. Many times even well-meaning people, even family members will say you don't want to do this as far as you. I mean you're talking about being a missionary. You're talking about going to foreign countries. You're talking about obviously sacrificing and not going to school for whatever reason to, uh, to follow uh, engineering or to be a doctor or whatever. And they're telling you to go in this particular profession. You feel convicted. And don't you know you will not make very much money doing that. The voices that are clamoring around you and I are deafening to what God's conviction is. And this is what happened in Pilate's life. He was listening to the crowd. You know, I've all heard a peer pressure. We all want to be admired. We all want to be liked. We want to go along with the crowd and, and so forth. You know, go along and get along and all that stuff. And yet God calls us to the beat of a different drummer. God calls us to walk according to His will. And sometimes that's not the way, and most of the time, probably all the time, it's not the way the world is going. We're swimming upstream against the cultural advances and obviously the the power of darkness and so forth. We are fighting a battle every day and we're going against those things. Unless we learn and where our conviction is and what our conscience is doing is saying to us and, and the voice of the Holy Spirit, we will lose that battle. We don't lose the war, but we lose the battles. Pontius Pilate was listening to the crowd. Because the Jew- Jewish leaders know Pilate's vulnerability and they play it to the hill. Verse 12, when Pilate tried to set Jesus free. Jews kept shouting, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. We're going to tell Caesar on you. We're gonna, you you're going to have a bad... I mean, this was clamoring before him. When you begin to do the will of God, everything breaks loose around you. And he said, don't do that. The enemy doesn't want you walking in the will of God. He doesn't want you to walk in that narrow path that he has put out before you. He said, I'll give you power. He'll give you the strength to do it, but, but the enemy will oppose you. He's willing to pay the price. to Do something right was the question. Pilate did what we're often tempted to do in a situation like this, and he tried to avoid the decision as much as he could. How many times have we procrastinated? From doing really the right thing. Instead of going on and doing what we should be doing. Because we know it's truth. And then obviously leaving the results in God's hands. If we'll trust God with our future. Then we'll know and we'll follow him. And we will be blessed. But so many people have veered away from that. And that's why we see the corruption. And it's not just in government. It's in all aspects of society. Government is shining up there with this reeking with corruption today and what they say and what they do, many of them, not all, but many of them, when you look at them, you'll say that's not the truth. They're lying through their teeth and they lie and lie and lie until I believe that they believe it themselves and I believe that's what happens and we'll share about why I believe that's happening in just a moment. We see here when the Jews brought Jesus to him, he tried to hand him back to them. John 18, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. That didn't work because they were insisting on the death penalty there. And uh, the second thing is, Pilate's second attempt to avoid a decision happened when he heard that Jesus was from Galilee here. And so what he did was, uh, you're from Galilee, I'm sending you to Herod. And Herod was going, good, this Jesus is coming to see me. Because why? He wanted a supernatural show to take place with Jesus. And when Jesus, he stood before Herod, Jesus did, he didn't say a word either. So he disappointed Herod. He didn't give him a supernatural show, and display of miracles. He just stood and didn't say anything. So Herod sent him back to Pilate. Pilate was continually being confronted with the fact that he had to make a decision. It's the same in our lives, whether it be for our relationship with Jesus Christ or whether or not we believe the totality of the word of God in every aspect of life, because our life should be based upon the word of God. I pray something every day because I don't do this well, but let me tell you, I pray it and I'll pray this, that the fact that 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 only that I would speak only as spoken through. Y'all have heard me say that before. And that I would only speak the word of God. That is my prayer every day. That only speak. Because I can open my mouth and insert foot real quick. I have to be careful. I still do it. But let me speak only as spoken through. And only the word of God. Because God will work that in your heart if you allow Him. Pilate, then he was like a stroke of genius. He remembered a custom observed during the Passover in which the Roman government would let the people choose one prisoner to be released. Remember? And uh, Pilate came out with Barabbas and said, He is a filthy, stinking, no damn for good for nothing criminal. I know that they'll say, Release Jesus. And what did they do? They said, Release Barabbas. Okay? Crucify Jesus. And so here, Pilate was still in his confrontation with truth. He had to make a decision. The fourth thing is, I'm sure that Pilate didn't want to do this, but he figured it was better than putting Jesus to death. Remember, he ordered the soldiers to flog Jesus. And you know, historians will say what they did is and when they beat somebody with those, those straps and all, it had bones on it and metal, and it would, many of the people would die while they were beating them. So Pilate was saying, I'll do that. And then they'll say, let him go. And what did the crowd say? Crucifying, crucifying. The third thing here is the, the vacillation back and forth of Pilate's will culminates in the wrong decision. In verse 16, finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified here. Obviously, after Pilate had done these to appease his conscience, he obviously, uh, he finally said, all right, I'll hand him over to you. Remember what he did? He took a bowl of water, the story goes, and he washed his hands in that. And what did he say? I'm innocent of this man's blood. It's your responsibility. I'm innocent. I'm putting it on your heads. Your backs here. And all the people answered. What did they say? Let his blood be on us and on our children. Let his blood be on us and on our children. And when you do that, be careful about what you say in the fit where you're frustrated or maybe angry or whatever it may be. Or maybe you speak and you'll say, oh, I wish I could take those words back again. Because when you speak something over somebody. Whether it be children or situations or whatever. Let me tell you today, you can get in a whole heap of trouble. God forgives. Praise God. Hallelujah. For, obviously, for Jesus' sake, for my sake, for your sake. But be careful about that. Because what they did was put a curse there. Let His blood be on our children. They were crucifying. They were doing exactly what the God of all creation Before the foundations of the world. Jesus, the Lamb of God, was obviously, God was already planning what he had to do before the foundations of all the world. Everything. There's a significant contrast between Pilate and his religious rulers in Jerusalem. Jesus addressed the contrast here in verse 11 when he said to Pilate, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. And therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Some theologians believe it was Caiaphas and and the Jewish leaders and so forth. That's something I, I don't dwell on and so forth. But it wasn't Pilate doing it. It was God's will. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will be done, but thy will be done. He gave his life voluntarily, knowing he had to give his life for the sins of the world. Notice that Jesus does indicate degrees of guilt here in his statement. There's no good evidence. Uh, there is good evidence that there will be degrees in hell also when the books are opened on Judgment Day. Revelation chapter 20 tells us about it. And will those, even of uh, those who have not accepted Jesus, will be judged according to their works. Not for salvation at all. Jesus is the only way to heaven but for what they did. So there are degrees, I believe, in hell when, we get the, when those people get there of how bad, obviously, when you talk about weeping and gnashing of teeth, I don't know how much worse it could be or out of the presence of the Lord in utter darkness, I don't know how bad. But I believe there's something to do as far as degrees that could take place of, 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 of condemnation and so forth at that particular time. We talk about this. They had the the scriptures, obviously, they had more light. You and I have more light than those out in darkness, okay? Does that make sense? I, I will be held to a higher accountability than those. I'm a teacher of the Word of God. I'm a preacher of the Word. I will be held to a higher level of accountability. But it's due to the light that we do have. And we have light. We have the revelation of the Word of God. We know Jesus is Lord. And so it's what we do with Jesus, we will be held in that, in the judgment seat of Christ there. Not for our salvation, we are going to heaven, but before the, because of the rewards that we receive and how we live our lives there. So, it's the same way on both sides. Remember that. What about Pilate's compromise? Caipus uh, may have been of greater, uh, greater guilt, but Pilate is obviously still guilty. He violated his own conscience. He even did it in spite of the warning that God sent through the dream there in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul reminded Timothy that Jesus witnessed a good confession before Pilate. Pilate had every opportunity to make the right choice, but simply decided to protect his own position rather than to do the right thing. The question is... (laughs) Do we do the same thing? Make decisions based upon whether or not we believe other people are going to agree with us. I'm not saying to somehow throw out the window good counsel and godly counsel. But I'm saying how much does peer pressure affect our decisions that we make? How much peer pressure in our lives? The Bible says in Proverbs that the fear of man is a snare. And so here, Pilate violated his conscience. Do you know that you can obviously sear your conscience to where at some point you cannot hear the still small voice of God? The knocking on your heart's door becomes fainter and fainter as you reject God wanting to come in and be your Lord and Savior. Some people have gone past that, I believe. And I know God wishes none to perish but all to come to everlasting life. But I believe they violate their conscience to such an extent that they're condemned. And it may be early in life. You've seen these things happening. And people can kill people. And you'll look at them and when they're being interrogated. And it seems that they have no conscience at all. We've got a lot of people out there right now that I believe have had their, their conscience seared. I believe that God does not wish all any to perish, but all to come to everlasting life. But we can continue to say no to the still small voice of God until we can no longer hear His voice. And let me tell you, that is such a perilous place. And rejecting Christ, whether you believe it's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit or other things, it's still when you completely reject the voice of God. And this nation, and we'll talk about it in a minute, And it's very alarming what I believe that God has shown me about where we are in history right at this particular time. We'll finish here. Even today, people try to use religious rituals the way Pilate did. Ceremonies. Maybe doing it, maybe... uh, You know, depending, nothing wrong with lighting a candle and and so forth. But you cannot worship demigods and people you cannot worship. And you cannot worship the dead. You cannot pray to the dead. They're gone. This is erroneous according to the word of God. You cannot do it. And what it does when you do that, then what you invite in are all types of demons. All types of darkness here. Somebody was telling me the other day that they were having nightmares, horrible nightmares and so forth. And, and um, they've you know, they got all these religious figures on their shelves and all this stuff. And then they pray to these and that. You don't pray to any of those. That is wrong. It's, it's, it's anti-God. It's very important we understand that where we're at today. You see, many times we have these particular religious things that are going on and even there, Pilate did one thing to appease his conscience. He tried his best to appease his conscience when he had a sign fastened to Jesus' cross which said, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews, John 19, 21 through 22. It tells us when the chief priest complained about the sign and wanted it changed to simply say, Jesus claimed... To be king of the Jews. Pilate answered. And he said. What I have written. I have written. How many times do we try to appease our conscience. By doing good works. Instead of repenting. And turning to God. Repentance means change of mind. And going in a different direction. And we try to do good things. And we try to. And that shame and that guilt. And all that burden. Is still on our, on our shoulders. The only way to get rid of it is repent and come to the Lord. He'll gladly receive you. He'll gladly forgive. But He's the only one. Our works don't amount to anything. The Bible says they're like filthy rags in the presence of the glorious righteousness of Jesus Christ. Obviously, what happened to uh, Pilate? Well, I believe possibly uh, Eusebius, and Josephus is a historian, I believe really my opinion is, is that Pilate eventually lost the position he tried so desperately to retain at the trial of Jesus. And in 36 AD, Pilate was called to Rome to answer complaints brought against him and his governorship ended. So he bought a few years there. Not much time at all. And that's what happens to us. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, there is pleasure in sin for a season. Have y'all experienced that? I have. There's pleasure for a season, for a short time. And then comes the consequences. We realize it's just for a short time. And Pilate didn't get much beyond that time, even though he seared his conscience. He... He went against what God was speaking. Question. Could Pilate have repented? Anybody? Yes. 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 I believe he could. What about the plan of God? What about it? Anybody? Pilate could have repented, I believe. But, he didn't. But if he did... What about, would, would the plan of God still gone through? The mystery, the plan, and will of God, I mean, we can't understand it in our p minds. God still would have had His way. But I believe He wishes none to perish, but all to come to everlasting life. And He looks to all of us. Every person is given an opportunity to receive Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. He gave me that opportunity. When I was walking in sin, when I had wandered in that wilderness that Billy talked about, He gave me an opportunity to repent and come back. Did He give you that opportunity? If you're saved, you did. He did. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners, but the ground at the cross is level. We all come the same way. And I'm so glad for that. The cross and the power of the cross. You know, Pilate's compromise, what did buying A few short, short years of luxury. What mistakes did Pilate make? First of all, he valued the wrong things. He valued the temp- temporary comfort of the things he had, the material things, which our society is full of today, instead of looking to the eternal things and our own eternity and our destiny. The second thing is, he feared the wrong things. The fear of man brings a snare. But he was intimidated by the people and by the Jewish leaders. But the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear is respect, honor, and, and, and awe of God. The third thing is, he failed to heed God's warning. God sent a dream by his wife. And uh, he didn't listen. What it tell us men in this place today? You better listen to your wife. How many times have I not listened to Cindy? I'm not going to tell you how many times, because y- y'all, all y'all would go into a, like a, a, a roar of laughter that I look back on, and if I listened to her, then I probably wouldn't have gotten in the trouble that I got into We need to listen to godly counsel also. We need to do that. Don't listen to anything. Don't listen to the world. The world speaking a different tune. But listen to godly counsel, okay? And he failed to take a firm stand for what he knew was right. He was double-minded. He was torn between in two directions here. On the one hand, he wanted to write th- do the right thing. On the other... He was unwilling to sacrifice his personal pleasures to be able to have eternal life. Remember the rich king, rich king ruler there and Jesus came to him and he goes, "Well, oh, what do I do to be saved? And all He said, Go and sell it all. And remember, I can't do that. And remember, he walked away from Jesus. Now, Jesus doesn't mean he's going to take everything from you. But you've got to hang on to it very loosely. When Jesus puts his hand on something in your life and says, this has got to go. We need to heed and be obedient, whatever it may be. Because he knows what's best. As old as I am, I'm still learning. God knows what's best for us. And if we'll just do what he tells us to do, we'll see the blessings of the Lord. But sometimes we don't see them immediately and we throw the towel in. We sort of like, "Oh man, I can't persevere through this." And so therefore we back up, we begin to procrastinate, the same as Herod, he, I mean as, as, as Pilate here. He began to think about it, being mulled over instead of being obedient immediately. And what happens is as we talk ourselves out of it, many times we've heard God's voice, we've heard a prophetic word, or we've heard a word of knowledge, and God's saying, "I want to bless you." Use you in a blessing to somebody, and we back off of it. You know, you're not going to always get it right. We're none perfect. We have not arrived. But let me tell you when you're obedient to the Lord, He'll teach you. If you have a teachable heart and you're saying, Lord, I want to do whatever you tell me to do, He has a way of directing us to where He wants us to be. But we've got to have a heart that's pliable, a heart that's moldable, a heart that's humble. And saying, Lord, I don't know it all. But I want your way. God has a way of teaching us. Are you facing a moral dilemma today? Are you facing a struggle in your life that maybe you're saying, um, I'm not which, I don't know which way to go. And your conscience is screaming, saying, do this. Maybe God has spoken to you about doing in some type of service that God wants you to be in as far as Christian service. Maybe God is saying, um, and you're starting to talk about it, yourself out of it, saying that, um, you know, maybe uh, if I do that, I mean, what about my job? What about this? What about that? And before long, we talked ourselves out of it instead of doing what God tells us to do right to begin with. There's a blessing behind that if you'll step out in faith. Because faith moves the heart of God. You can't please Him without it. Okay, in closing, what's going on in the world today? I'll share with you what I, I want to share with you, first of all, what I believe that should be our hearts and my heart. And this is my prayer, too. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, the Apostle Paul is saying this, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ, and Him crucified. Determined. I've made up my mind. I don't want to know anything else except for Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Can that be our prayer today? Can that be our prayer every day that I just want to know Jesus Christ and Him crucified? That's what Paul said. He said also, and his power of his resurrection. And to share in fellowshipping of his sufferings, he said. The power of his resurrection. I just want to know Jesus. Is that our prayer today? God's stirring that. I believe it is. He's doing it in this church also. So what's happening today in our country? I'll share with you what I believe. I'll always share with you what I feel like conviction is. I believe they are... Um, seasons in history that we go through countries, individuals, churches and so forth, the body of Christ I believe that we're actually in a time of the passive wrath of God if you read Romans chapter 1 it talks about it I believe we are in the passive wrath of God right now what does that mean? What it means is, if you look at Romans chapter 1, it means that God is pulling back His hand off of this country. The restrainer that's talked about in Thessalonians, the Holy Spirit of God, He pulls back to get our attention. And I said, well, Lord, what about Harvey? What about the shootings? What about the fires? What about the earthquakes? What about... All the stuff that we see happening today, I believe, is a part of that passive wrath of God. He allows certain things to do because he backs off. He says, you want to have your way? I'll give it to you. I'll let you have your way. And you continue to insist to have your own way? I'll let you have it. And what happens after the passive wrath of God? What happens? Anybody? The active Wrath of God. If we don't repent, and well, He doesn't see in, in His perfect holiness, and He does not see people returning, then what will eventually happen is the active wrath of God. I don't see it happening. I'm praying that we can stand in the gap. We can. Because we know in, with Abraham and with Ezekiel, uh, He He was looking for it, and he couldn't find any to to intercede and pray. I pray we would be a praying church to intercede for what I believe could happen in this country if we don't repent. But it's good news. He wants to use us, and he wants to bless us, but he's looking for our response here. I believe also that we are in a season of preparation It's very important. I don't know when Jesus will come back. You know the Bible says no man knows it. Only the Father in heaven. But I believe we are in a season of preparation. What does that mean? It means that we need to get our spiritual life in order. Because God is looking at us. Many, The Bible says many are called... But few are chosen. And I won't go into what I believe that speaks of either. But I will say. I believe we are in a season of preparing. Maybe. Isaiah 40. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. John the Baptist. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. I don't know. I don't. I can't say. But I know one thing. God has put on my heart. I believe we are in a season of preparation. When I came back to the church full time two years ago, right about now, a little over two years ago, I felt God saying, Jim, there is a sense of urgency to equip the saints to get people ready, uh, to gear them up for ministry. Pastors by themselves cannot do it. You and I, you're called to minister to people, to pray for people, lay hands on people, to deliver people. Just like the Bible says, I can't do it all. It's going to be the influx of people. I'm seeing too many people today that obviously are di- dire need of the Lord. But it has to be the total body of Christ operating in that. But also, more importantly, is preparing and, and getting ready and getting close to Jesus. I asked a couple weeks ago, I said, who in here wants a closer walk with Jesus? And hands went up all over keep asking, and keep seeking, keep asking Him and moving towards Him because I believe we are in a dire time before things begin to culminate. I believe passive wrath of God, serious, but serious in your relationship with Jesus Christ in that intimacy and knowing Him. The Bible says in the end times that if God did not pull His hand back, then even the elect would be deceived. There are many people out there today who are walking in deception. If you know Jesus saying, hallelujah, praise him. Thank you, Jesus. But that's just the beginning. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to be able to minister to your family that many may be lost. I was with somebody last night. I walked last night and mosquitoes on the north side are terrible. They were eating me up. It, was they it bad here? They're terrible. They're aggressive. They're vicious. They've, they've, like they've got teeth or something. We're in Texas, right? And the guy that I was talking to, he flooded. He's in another part of the neighborhood. I know him because when I run or walk and stuff, I've stopped and talked to him and all. And I don't know his heart. Only Jesus knows our hearts. Thank God. But he talked to me and just about every other word became a curse word. The F word. And this and that. And, you know... Just appreciate him so much. um, But I'm around a lot of people that do that. It doesn't mean, and I say, but they need their mouth cleaned up. They may even need their heart cleaned up. We live in a time where the opportunity to witness, the time to stand for Jesus, stand up, stand up for Jesus, and get closer and closer to him can't be something we just conjure up but if we're willing and we surrender and let the Holy Spirit begin to draw us and stir us we'd be prepared we'd be prepared I don't want to miss this move of God and I don't want y'all to either I don't want to miss it I'm telling you because I believe we're in for something wonderful but at the same time we've got to realize that repentance is involved and you say, well, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, yeah. Most of the time we say, we're, we're pretty good, we're pretty, I'm doing along pretty good here, Jim. You know, I, blah, blah, blah. No, you always, there's need for repentance on every level, right? And coming along, I'm not condemning you. I want to encourage you. Thank God. God gives us grace. Grace. God's grace grace that's greater than all of our sin and he does it so abundantly without he lavishes it on us the Bible says he he just, just pours it all over us it's God's grace and his mercy run to him church run to him let him have your life there's areas he's putting his hands on you're saying just not right give it to him I believe we're in a season he'll take it and He'll make you clean, wash you. He says, I want to wash you whiter than snow. Come let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, it will be white as snow. Just cleanse us, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your truth, Your Word. We don't want to procrastinate. We want to follow You. And so as You speak through our conscience, or You speak to as a still, small voice, Are You impress upon our spirit, Help us to be obedient immediately. Help us not to draw back, as some have, but help us to press in. We ask you, Lord, to get us ready. Help us, O oh God, as we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember Matthew 25, I'll leave you with this. The ten virgins. Five came with their lamps trimmed with oil, and five bitten. Remember the five went in with the bridegroom and then the door was shut while those other five were going to get the oil. They weren't prepared and the door was shut and they were banging on the door trying to get in. They couldn't get in because it was too late. I want to be like those, ten, those five that had their lamps trimmed, don't you? Amen. God bless you. Amen. Anybody needing prayer? I'm always uh, here at the church, and then you can call, and I'll meet you. We'll come together in prayer. Anything we do, we're we're studying uh, here uh, the prophetic on Wednesday night. Then we'll be moving into the, the supernatural power of a transformed mind, which I think will be a magnificent teaching. Uh, and as God uh, transforms us, and that we're not conformed to the world, but we be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So. Uh, Come and join us if you can. God bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Have a wonderful day in the Lord.